Summer is upon us, and that means that car dealerships will be abuzz with people looking to buy a new or used car. Joining me now on this podcast is Rebecca Lindland. She is Kelly Blue Book's executive analyst. And Rebecca, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much for having me on, Alexis. So I don't know. I think to myself, well, if everybody's out looking for a car in the summer, maybe that's not when I want to buy a car. Is it? It actually is because dealers are stocked with great inventory. They are looking for car buyers. You know, they want to end the summer strong. They want to end that third quarter strong and go into the fourth quarter with fresh new products. So I think this is actually a fantastic time to buy a vehicle. You've got a lot of choices. Uh, You've got, you know, a lot of opportunity kind of look and say, okay, what's the best car for for me? What's the best car for my family? So I think it's a great time. What about incentives? Are they are they big during the summer or is it more sort of that lull period in the wintertime when you see more of those hefty incentives? So we can definitely see incentives through um, whether through some, the, the summer holidays, whether you're talking about Memorial Day or July 4th. This is a time when dealerships are saying, you know, we want it. We we have product. You've got time. We've got incentives on board, uh, and and they're also looking. You know, when we think about the right time to buy a car, you know, in the winter time, it, it's terrible to be outside, miserable conditions. <laughs> you know, if you tough to test drive a car in the winter. It is in parts of the country. It, it is, and you know, if you go in the summertime, it's a good time to look and say, do I want um, certain features, ventilated seats are a big new thing hmm. for consumers now. A lot of vehicles are coming with air-conditioned seats. It's sort of a strange experience at first. <laughs> well, you know, I know heated seats, and I thought that was yes, a strange experience. I know. <laughs> so, okay, I'll but, buy it. But now, and, and also, when, when you go to, to, to shop for a vehicle in the summertime, think about the sunroof also. Think about the color of the interior. Some of these things that can be great in the summer may not be so great in the wintertime. So think about these kinds of things, depending upon what the season that you're shopping in. And your best advice, you gave us some a little just now, but if you are in the market for for a new vehicle or a used vehicle, what are some questions you should ask yourself? What should you be armed with before you actually go into the dealership? So definitely do your research before you go into a dealership. Contact your local dealers. If there's a type of car that you're looking for, if you know the kind of car you want, reach out to those dealers beforehand via email and just say, hey, I'm in the market for this kind of car. You can find your local dealers, whether it's on Auto Trader or any of the other you know websites you can you can go go to the manufacturer's website and say you know what are your local dealerships you can always find close by what they have you can look at their inventory certainly you need to know your existing the value of your existing car which of course is what Kelly Blue Book does better than anybody right. and so you've got to be able to use the resources at your disposal go in well armed well informed and do your research beforehand and know what you want. So when they say, what's it going to take to get you in a car today? You can say, well, I'll tell you what. Exactly. Because I know. And mm-hmm. you, and you, if you contact dealers beforehand, you will have four or five different quotes at your disposal. That's also. my question. Will they really give a quote over the phone? Or, or even in writing, as maybe they don't want to put in it writing. in writing. No, they, they will they will negotiate with you. If you say, what is your best deal on this? And then when you go in, then you can say, is this really your best deal? Mm-hmm. Push, be aggressive. Be, you know, it, it's it's... 
you are the negotiator in this situation. And as Americans, we're not used to negotiating. Yeah, we feel uncomfortable by and large. We do. Well, you don't go into a department store and negotiate for a piece of furniture, but I actually have. I've negotiated. I've gone into a department store and said, I need mattresses, I need that dresser, and I need that TV, and what's your best package deal? I think that's the car analyst in you. (laughs) Maybe brought it it to other industries. That's great. Um, We've got, we're in an environment now where we've got rising gas prices. Have you seen the effect yet on uh, car choice by American consumers? Are they looking more than recently for fuel-efficient vehicles because of this? So Kelly Blubick has a poll called the Blue Ribbon Panel, and we're able to 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 ask consumers that are shopping on our site or th- that are in the new car market and own currently uh, what their mindset is on these kinds of questions. And so we did a, a recent poll, and we asked them that. And um, actually, surprisingly, 60% of consumers said that the current gas prices and the rise are not impacting their vehicle choices. However, 40% said, yes, it is, it is having some impact. And of those 40%, 86% said, I'm looking at a vehicle with better fuel economy than I was before. Okay, so that's substantial. It is substantial. But what that means, I think, is that they're looking for the most fuel-efficient version of a vehicle they already want to buy. Okay. And when I say that, I think, you know, it's it's easy to respond to short-term pressures like a spike in gas prices. But a vehicle, you know, most consumers are keeping vehicles for years and years. What is the average that folks are keeping their cars now? Well, the average vehicle on the road today is 11 years old. Mm. Uh, and most consumers will keep a vehicle about six to seven years, uh, if not longer. And one of the things that when we think about car buying also is make sure you buy what you can afford one of the things that's very tempting in this world of 0% financing or short, you know, low financing rates is to extend your loan term to 72 and 84 months. And as an, an accountant, um, as a former banker, um, as somebody who used to work for Mercedes-Benz Credit, I would just really caution against people with these long, long loan terms because what's going to end up happening is you're going to owe more than the car is worth mm-hmm. for a very long period of time. And if you need a new car... You're going to have to pay that off first, and you're going to get into a really bad financial situation. So what I would encourage people to do is figure out what you can can afford using a 60-month calendar, using a 60-month payment. That seems fair. What you actually want to do is the purchase price of the vehicle. You want to know what you are actually purchasing the vehicle for. So say you want to go and say, is this $35,000? If it's $35,000, how much is that in a 60-month loan term? Mm -hmm. And see if you can afford that. If it's 0% financing, that's not necessarily the best deal because sometimes if they offer you 1% or 2 or 3% financing and they give you cash back, mm-hmm. maybe that cash is something you can use today to pay off a credit card or something. So you look at, your, at, at the holistic picture. Look at your entire budget, right. your entire spend. What are you spending on your cell phone? What are you spending on your electric bill? Look at everything when mm-hmm. you think about your car and buy the vehicle that best fits your needs. Unlike when you go into a purchase of a home where there are lots right. of things come into play um, and you could enhance the value of that home. Right. Is it true? We, we say all the time, oh, well, the minute you drive that car off the lot, the value goes down. Is, is that true? And can we do anything to increase the value of our car as it gets older? You, It is true. Uh, the best thing you can do to, to keep the value keep or the sustain value. the value okay. is to take care of it. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing is take care of it. On Kelly Blue Book, when, we, um, when people ask, you know, 
to, to value their car. I believe the number is about 54% of the cars that we evaluate come in in good condition. If you can get that up to excellent condition, which means that it's in perfect, you know, there's no body paint, there's no scrapes, there's no dings, the value increases exponentially. So the way to get the best value and to keep the value of Mm -hmm. your vehicle is to maintain it well. Okay. I want to get back to fuel-efficient vehicles, because what on the market today uh, are you particularly fond of? So um, Kelly Blue Book recently looked at the most fuel-efficient vehicles on the road today, and um, the number one most fuel-efficient vehicle is actually the Tesla Model X, Hmm. their SUV. Um, The second most is the Mercedes GLC 350 SUV, and the third is the Mitsubishi Outlander. And so, and the plug-in hybrids. But when we think about, it's not always the most fuel-efficient version of a vehicle that you need to buy, uh, because for some people, a vehicle like the Chevy Bolt, which has over 200 miles of range, a, of electric vehicle range, before wow. you have to charge it. That's excellent. Right? You can do a lot of errands, oh, and yeah. you don't even have to charge it every night. Mm-hmm. You can just charge it, you know, a couple times a week mm. in that 200 miles. Just for perspective, that most, um, the goal of most vehicles is to have a 300-mile range. So the most fuel-efficient vehicle is not necessarily the one that best fits your lifestyle, mm-hmm. and that's what you have to look at. So something like the Chevy Bolt, which is all-electric, gets over 200 miles of range, and just for perspective, most cars get 300 miles per range. Okay. But you can do a lot of running around in that Chevy Bolt on all electric. You don't have to charge it every night. For sure. You can just run it on, on electric. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now for some consumers, they you know, they feel like that may not be right for their lifestyle. So look at vehicles with four-cylinder engines. Uh, the, the new Chevy Silverado pickup truck is getting a four-cylinder engine. Wow. It's amazing. Like, the technology that has changed since the last time people went shopping mm-hmm. is phenomenal, which is why you have to do your research and understand what's in the market today. I want to talk about Ford, because not long yes. ago they said, we're going to scratch all our sedans, yes. you know, and we're going to focus on crossovers and, of course, their number one selling uh, pickup truck, the F-150, yes. and SUVs. Yes. Uh, I'm wondering, though, if behind closed doors, Ford's going, really? Because now gas prices are higher. But you'd have to think they'd think long term like that. Why would they? It sounds drastic to say we're doing away with our sedans. It does. It's a very bold statement. But one of the things that we need to understand is that as Amer- as consumers, particularly in, in America, we've actually evolved what we consider to be a car. We don't just have a, a three-box silhouette. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you've got a, a, a front, you've got the passenger compartment, and you've got a trunk. We don't have that anymore. We have evolved into crossovers and car-based SUVs. And, and what we consider a car is everything from, you know, a, something like the Toyota CHR, which is a very round vehicle. And the Chevy Bolt, as I mentioned, is, is also considered a a car, an SUV or a crossover. So what we think about the traditional car, really, we've evolved that. And so what Ford's is doing is modernizing our version of the car. It's, it's not unlike what we've done with a phone. You know, when you think about your phone, 
it's only one of those things. Right. It's your camera. It's your computer. It's your lifeline. It's everything. I call SUVs MTVs. They're multitasking vehicles. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And that's what we've done. And so what Ford is, they're just taking a very aggressive approach to modernizing and maximizing the production and capabilities they already have. I think that's how their PR team should have spun it. Yes. Now I get it, Rebecca. And, and finally, uh, President Trump, we know, talking about perhaps slapping 25% tariffs on car imports. He says it's in the name of, of jobs and and um, and in the, in the name of national secure U.S. national security. Um, your thoughts on that? What would that mean to American jobs and to the American auto industry? So I think if you ask any economist out there, they will tell you that tariffs is a fancy word for taxes. And I don't think that this is really going to dramatically help the automotive industry and help jobs. Um, there's always going to be winner, winners and losers in this situation. I, you know, a lot of the about 50 percent of the cars that we buy in the U.S. are built in the U.S. I don't think people know that. They're right? built in the U.S. In the U.S. It's about 8.6 million vehicles that were bought, new cars that were bought last year were, were produced in America. And that includes BMWs and Mercedes hmm. and Hondas and, uh, you know, Acuras. I mean, it, it's it's Toyotas. It's incredible. You know, it's not just domestic brands. So when we think about these tariffs, are they actually going to protect American jobs? And I would prefer to see us in a more um, encouraging manner in terms of let's build more plants here. Because a plant automatically not only produces a lot of very well-paying jobs, but also usually um, spawns a plant, a, a, a supplier park around it. And so if you think about, um, there's a, a plant down in Texas that, that uh, Toyota runs, and there's an incredible supplier park all around it. So they're building the, the parts for those vehicles it's as well. It's that cascading effect, And it's right? that cascading effect. Mm -hmm. And so if we become a country of barriers, we're not going to encourage more jobs and more local manufacturing here. And that's what we really need to do. Rebecca Lindland, Executive Analyst at Kelly Blue Book. Always great to spend time with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.